Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Steal away at sundown. Pick a place to hide. Check for signs of ambush. Hunker down inside. Okay, well, uh, he's, he's not here, but uh, this is our, our, last, uh, our last podcast where, where none of the, the co-hosts are married. We are, yeah. uh, we are, we are getting ready to, to convene uh, this weekend for Kevin's, Kevin's betrothal ceremony, yes. uh, which, which is taking place. At a winery. Ah, yes. Ooh. Um, I believe that that is the place where they have staves full of fruits and they turn them into lovely beverages. Sometimes. Well, not to pick nits, but I believe they turn the staves into barrels. They put them together. We're not hollowing out individual planks. I don't. Well, Mister Fancy Man over here, <laughs> getting wine from places with with full barrels. Um, yeah, it's it's at a it's a, at a winery. But anyway, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just getting us in the right frame of mind for this week's show uh, because, Pierce, you received a, a, an electronic uh, communique that sometimes yeah. they call them emails. Yes. Uh, no, actually, they're all newsletters. Like <laughs> they're all newsletters. Well, well it's just, we're I mean, talking it's, like this because people, be because wine snobby. people, because wine people sometimes talk a certain way about their world and sometimes it makes it uh difficult or nigh on fucking impossible to understand what they're talking about ah uh, yes yeah tannic. And, tannic indeed. yeah and and to 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 you know set the terroir to to, to, to set a french word for should, soil yeah, should, stuff should we maybe agree to speak english on this podcast i mean that well if you speak to a wine person that ter ter that's a really hard word terroir yeah it's a hard in french and english but yeah i mean to to set the stage for this um uh, you know the wine people the 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 idea is that they look at a label for a wine bottle and they know all this stuff about it from you know how the grapes are grown to where the grapes were grown to what types of grapes they are and you know maybe even who grew them and if it was their best or their second best or your swill that only americans get which is (laughs) frequently what happens but i got an email from a a lovely local place called elemental spirits company in atlanta and it is really great um and they sent a a wonderful email explaining something that goes on the label but but not necessarily where it's from but how it's from almost um, and it dove into some words that, that Sean, honestly, your forays into wine, I think have touched on more than me, which I'd say is a very, um, I don't know if Gen Z can drink yet, but certainly <laughs> for the millennial crew, these are words we encounter all the time in the wine world. So, yes. So you, you forwarded this email along to us, and, and the thrust of the email is one that I have come to appreciate, which is basically explaining 
that uh, calling a wine natural wine may not really mean anything beyond that they are trying to market that wine to a a certain audience shall we say Mm -hmm. but but they go on to break down that there are in fact lots of really useful sort of more specific terms that are used um, to to describe the way that wines are made that that actually can tell you something meaningful about the process that was used and and, and I came away really appreciating this uh, because I, between um, you know food people on Instagram and and uh, briefly uh, being a subscriber to Bon Appetit before I kind of <laughs> was clued into the fact that uh it was a maybe a horrifying place to work um you know i would say that like a year and a half ago like early early pandemic time especially when i was staying in charlottesville with emily um i embarked on a little mini uh let me try to buy and test out some things that might be referred to as natural wine, particularly uh, a style called, uh, if, since we're, we're, we've broken the seal on, on French now, uh, Petillant Naturel, or Pet Nat, uh, which refers to sort of a, a fermentation that's finished in the bottle, so it's sort of lightly sparkling, but not really, like, not, not especially carbonated or anything. Um, and what happened when I when I bought a few bottles from Market Street Wine Shop um, is that I didn't like any of them at all. <laughs> so I, I think this is interesting too because my I guess my uh, introduction into wine has has been with kind of an older set, a very very knowledgeable set of people. Um, and some really cool shops like MacArthur's in, in DC. Um, but the focus was was much more on kind of the traditional wine set in, in grapes and producers and, and, and such. So so I think of this as kind of new age, but our new age is weird um, of the now. But but then I think, you know, Max and, and I do want to say just go ahead and say some of these terms, which which are, you know, organic, biodynamic sustainable and what do we call it? zero zero natural is that is that how we're supposed to say I, I have it right in front of me but um you know whereas max when we brought this to you I, I feel like this might have been more of a learning experience because you do buy wine you buy one one type of wine correct yeah, well <laughs> pretty much yeah um I get I get most of my wine from Trader Joe's mm-hmm um, and specifically within Trader Joe's, I pretty much only buy one type of wine, mm-hmm. which is a, a Spanish Tempranillo that they have. Um, similar to Sean, I mean, at different levels, but I did actually at the beginning of the pandemic, it might have even been before then, I wanted to go through an exercise where I basically wanted to do a taste test of a, of a lot of wines, but specifically Trader Joe's wines, because you can get bottles for between basically 3 and $6.00. Which for me, as I'm, I'm I, like, I want to get into wine, but it's like a very low risk way 
to at least narrow down perhaps the styles that I like before I start to spend more money. Yeah. And, and I bought maybe 15 or 20 different bottles of wine from Trader Joe's and wrote notes on all of them. And then none of them were as good as the one that I that I already liked. So I still buy the Tempranillo for my, uh, I don't want to call it a daily drinker, but, you know, I'll regularly go and get a case of it. And then whenever I want red wine, that's kind of my go-to. But I would like to get into other wines. It's just, it's, it's. I mean, it's daunting. It's, it's a yeah. really intimidating... Uh, it's, I don't know, market. It's so hard, I think, in a couple ways. It's one is to figure out what you want or what you like because there is so much out there. And it's I, I don't think it is as simple as like, all right, I like hoppy IPAs or I like juicy IPAs or I like, um, you know, malty lagers. It's like those are sections and you can go in and, and say that and you can filter through there. Maybe, Sean, you, you think it is that easy. But the other thing about wine is like someone can say, oh, you'll like this. And a serving of beer is very different than buying a bottle of, of wine. And obviously you could go somewhere and get a, a glass of wine, but th- that that is... There's a little bit different barrier for entry to that. So I totally understand mm-hmm. that. And I would say like a great thing is if, if you happen to be out by a winery that, that actually wants you to buy their wine and has good tastings, um, that's the best place to go. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of those in places like, honestly, Virginia or, or apparently Georgia sells wine. But but I think then you add in these, these terms and it, it makes me, even even me, who I think I know my way around a little bit, um, I get a little shy about it because I think, oh, well, well, you know, what does it mean that it's biodynamic? You know, what does sustainability actually matter? And I think that to, to get back to this email, we all had slightly different reactions to these terms that in the marketing for wine, I think has become a really big deal. Well, I, so... I think I think one big difference is that uh, just the natural by itself yeah. is the one that is purely well. I guess I I think natural Purdue and does sustain- that with chicken too. Well, natural like the, and yeah. sustainable are the two that are all, to to me all marketing. Because they don't really indicate anything specific about the process. Um, you know, I, I joked before we started recording that uh, in 2021, the word sustainable has about the same level of meaning as toxic or gaslight, uh, which is to say it is something that once had a meaning, but it has been rendered totally flat and pointless by years or maybe even decades of kind of incorrect overuse. Um, But something like biodynamic or even zero, zero natural has a very specific definition about uh, regarding like how that wine was made. And I, I will say that I don't know just because I may understand the, the definition of what biodynamic means doesn't mean that I understand how it will affect how a wine tastes or how I will like a wine, but, but it is something that I sort of, now that I have at least a a base level understanding of what it is, 
I do feel more confident that I could go into a wine shop or, or for me, there's like a local grocery store that has a good wine section um, and talk to someone there and, and, and ask them, you know, sort of moderately intelligent questions about how it might affect my wine drinking experience. So in that way, I found this email that you got extremely valuable. And so yeah, go ahead, Max. Well, well, I was just going to define those two terms you mentioned really quickly yeah, please. for the listeners. So zero, zero natural is suggesting just that nothing is added and nothing is taken away. It's it's a actually fairly simple way to explain uh, actually part of the process. Biodynamic, I'm a little more fuzzy on. Um, I think it has a decent definition, but I could also see it becoming a marketing term if people liked it. Because my understanding from reading the, the email about biodynamic is just that it's essentially wine that is created by people who are hippies. <laughs> and and I'm not really sure. Like, like, I think right now, the way it's probably used, if you see that on the label, it probably does come from a winery with people who truly care about the plants and care about how the plants react with the soil. But, but deep down, it really doesn't mean much more than mm. sustainable. And maybe that's your point, is that, that the sustainable has lost its meaning because people now search for it and it's become so mainstream where biodynamic because it's not mainstream does actually mean something on the label of a, of a bottle of wine. But I don't know that it truly tells you anything about, about how the wine was, was made. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. I, I guess I'm, I, I tend, I, I tend to be, uh, in, in many cases, uh, skeptical of when people talk about something being virtue signaling, but like calling a wine sustainable it is definitely that. Yes. And yes. and uh, you you've actually biodynamic isn't isn't used as that in that sense I, yet. I actually I almost think the opposite is true, which is that it's even more it's even more of one. It's it's hipster sustainable. It's mm -hmm. like super. It's super virtue signaling, but I but I don't know because I like I you know, for for my for all of my meager efforts to sort of expand my wine palette and and understand it a little mm -hmm. better, uh, particularly after going to uh, Northern California wine country with my family last year, you know I, I am no expert certainly i'm barely a, mm -hmm. i would i'm barely a novice still so like yeah. I, I i don't know um i i think that i think that the fact that pierce you have found a place that you like and trust enough to like sign up for their emails and and put at least some stock in what they're saying i think that's really cool and that's something that i'm looking for yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say, I have at this so far not purchased any wine from this place, actually. I've only purchased gin, but I've really liked the feel of the <laughs> store, which, you know, of course, uh, this is nice thing about living in Georgia. You can buy all of that in one place. Um, but and that place is a gas station. Yeah, I guess. It's a gas station. It is actually across from a gas station, which I'm sure sells all those things. But, but I think the greater point is, is I do also find this really valuable. But I don't necessarily feel 
better about all those things that are on the labels, both from if you put it on there and, and get that, that hipster crowd to it, but also I think about the producers themselves. And um, there is a little bit at the end of the email about how some of this, uh, how some of these terms are certified. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, organic means something. We, we kind of all understand that. If you put organic, that, that you know, there is someone who is certifying that. Um, biodynamic and um, apparently sustainability can also be uh, certified in some ways. But I also think about the producers who, it is very expensive to get that type of certification. Someone's got to come out and check the whole thing. I mean, can you imagine checking biodynamic, which is not just what's in the bottle, but all of that, the intrinsic... Um, Are you following the astrological symbols when you? Yeah, that that can be. Did did you read the correct bedtime story to the grapes? Did you? Yeah, but but that's that's hard. And I do think about um, I you know have have been to some some country locations in France before and met some producers. And I remember one in particular, and it was a woman of a certain age who who. we went up to the door and she called down from the window because clearly she had been taking a nap or something came down and it's 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 just an older woman who's been doing this i'm sure her family's doing been doing it for a long time she's standing there in overalls just pouring us wine like this is these are farmers these are not like fancy huge operations and i did go to one that was a scottish guy and he had basically bought the land to do this and that was very much juxtaposed so you know you you get in what you get out of it and if your goal is to market to people like us um there's a lot of cost involved in that you have to do those pretty labels that you see all the time so that you can be front and center in the pet nat section so i definitely have i am glad i know what this means because if someone says hey this is this is good and they say those words i can really look at it and be more of a discerning consumer but I am still concerned about who is getting left out because of the value placed on these terms in the marketing. And, and I think that this shop does a good job of recognizing that based off of their words in this email and kind of what I've seen in the store. Um, but, you know, someone's going to get left out because you can't pay for the extra marketing. Yeah, I, this, this actually is reminding me of something I read earlier today. Uh Jay Caspian Kang, who I was introduced to at Grantland, is now uh, an opinion columnist at the New York Times and has a newsletter. And one of his first, uh, well, one of his first editions, which I read this morning, uh, was about like, collegiate debate and and how uh, how. Uh, students from especially like minority heavy schools kind of embarked on this movement to sort of uh, make a point of arguing not the topic that was posed to them in a competition but specifically to go out of their way to argue about the barriers to entry in debate and that we needed more voices and and more sort of uh, available access for, for people to join these conversations. And, and, and I can't help but think that there, that there's some element of that at work here too, which is that we need, you know, or, or I don't know if we need, but that it would be very nice for there to be fewer barriers to entry to something like wine, something that really does feel to a lot of people very kind of hoity-toity and inaccessible. Yeah, which is so interesting because 
you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the, the, the commitment you have to make when you're buying a bottle of wine, given, given the size. You should not consume that in one sitting all by yourself. That's, that's not, I am not going to recommend that because it is a very communal thing. It's to be shared. And that's what I think is so great about it. Um, and, you know, people are making this product to be shared with, with others. And, and I think that, yeah, to, to your point, you know, how, do you, how do you democratize that as, as much as possible? I mean, is wine actually just one of the few things where these kind of monthly or quarterly subscription clubs is actually a good introduction? Or are those just kind of marketing tactics to, to get you to buy specific more wine? Because um, I know even, even at a grocery store, the wine sections are large and daunting. Like, it's not even like you can... There's, it's not like at the grocery store there's a... I mean, I'm sure there is a limited selection, but it's still... I, I, I mean... As a as a novice consumer, I basically just say, all right, let me find a bottle of red that's around $10, and I grab one, and if it has a little tag that has a little review next to it, that might help me, but, um, I mean, that's where I'm at. Yeah, so, I mean, go ahead, Sean. Uh, so the, the thing about, I, I think it depends heavily on, like, what the subscription service is, because something like, say, Wink, all of those wines are private label. They nothing is something that you could find in a grocery store or a wine shop. So I, I think I think it's possible that there is some use in those in helping you understand your palate a little better and maybe understanding what some of the flavors that you like are. But it is at least somewhat designed to keep you in its own ecosystem for longer. And so, so in that sense, I, I think I would argue more for something like trying to, to find a, a place in your neighborhood or in your town that is, is well regarded for, for selling wine and, and ginning up the courage to, to go talk to someone there. Because if, if they're good at what they do, they're probably reasonably well trained to in much in the same way that librarians and booksellers are to hear the information that you're giving them and sort of do all of the all of the necessary you know up conversion and down conversion in like you know wine intelligence levels and understand what you're saying and how to uh, how to either recommend something that follows that or to recommend something that branches out from that. Yeah, and and I mean honestly, uh, if if there is a local place, a local wine shop that's worth its salt, it probably has pretty regular tastings. Maybe not right now. Um, it's been a while, but I used to live across the street from Arrow Wine, which I also have to mention here, obviously, and. They would do, they, you know, you sign up for their email mailing list. You know, worst case, you're going to get told about doorbusters. You can get great wine and they will usually explain it. And then the best thing is they will do tastings and you maybe, maybe you pay $5 and you go and you taste, you know, 20 German wines, which is what I did one time. And all of a sudden I've got, I think six to 12 bottles. I've got about a case of, of German wine. So, I mean, I think that's the best way to learn. Even if you're a novice, go Go taste things. They they want you to do that, and then you're helping yourself by learning more, and you're helping them by 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 buying. I mean, 
not everywhere is going to have a, a small farmer who's, who's got a winery down the street from them um, and an ability to try there. So, I mean, I think your local wine shops is, is really great. And that's the best person to help you wade through these terms, I think. Yeah, you also, you also might benefit from, you know, I, I, I would not suggest that you need to go like go buy a book uh, for, for this, but Wine Simple by Aldo Somme is a very easy to, to read and, and sort of parse through uh, book that uh, my impression was it didn't get too snooty. It, it sort of had, it had levels of accessibility. Um, and I, I read that while we were in California and, and enjoyed it a great deal. So maybe like, I don't know, see if your library has it. Um, that that might be fun, you know. Uh, some newspapers have, like, have a wine writer. Eric Asimov writes about wine for the New York Times and has a regular feature that's about sub twenty dollar wine. So, like, yeah, his, you know, his that name might is be Aldo Som. He he was born to be a sommelier, right? Like, right. I, yeah. You made me Google him to see if that's what <laughs> it was named after. I don't uh, think I mean, it yeah, is. I trust. But, I know it's yeah. not. <laughs> I trust him, <laughs> but yeah, there. I guess what I'm so what I'm trying to say is that like I do. I think that there are lots of potential resources out there that can help someone who is trying to get a better handle on this world. I, look, I, going and talking to someone. I, I hate talking to people, uh, so I I, I understand, uh, but you know. An, I don't know. I don't even know that I've ever really done it for for wine, but pretty much every time I've done it for beer or books or, or something else like that, like I have come away, you know, pleased and enriched and feeling like I understand things a little better. So that like that yeah. would be more than anything. That would be my advice is to just kind of get over yourself and and find someone knowledgeable to talk to about it and for god's sakes if you go to a restaurant that has a sommelier ask them do, do like don't 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 do it yourself like just just ask them what you should get if you're fortunate enough to be in a restaurant like that they are they like are a certified professional to do that and love talking about it. even the most knowledgeable people i know who could like might pick the same thing um the stories you get and and the uh catering to you i think is really excellent so yeah go go talk to people all right hopefully it'll go better than me trying to get into scotch <laughs> that just that, that just I, makes I wanted to get into scotch burn. i bought a little variety pack of scotches um i drank them all in a hot tub and decided i don't really like scotch well the hardest the only variety pack of scotch i want is tape around christmas <laughs> Yeah, the hardest thing about scotch is understanding all of the accents. All right, now that now that we've done yeah, that, uh, that's I think that's the cue that it's time for us to to move on and and do a big idea from pop culture. And Wait, uh, are we are we skipping something here? Oh yes, we are. Uh, that is a good point. Uh, we maybe we should wait until after Pierce has apologized to do that. So yeah, let's uh, yeah. let's do Pierce's sorry. Uh, this week, I am apologizing to Alan Adler. Do you know who Alan Adler is? Alan Adler is a very uh, accomplished inventor, 
including one particular uh, invention, which is the AeroPress. Um, Alan Adler is a is a, a fun old, older gentleman at this point who invented the AeroPress. And I'm apologizing to him this week because um, with a hat tip to, to uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, James Hoffman, I have now determined that my saying that the AeroPress is fine, but not for me. It just doesn't make what I think of as a, as a like a the type of cup of coffee I want. That was wrong. It is totally capable of making one of those, and it tastes really great and a lot closer to my pour over experience than I imagined. Um, so I, I highly recommend that uh, one recognizes that it's. It's the method, not the tool, that is the problem, which I, of course, knew but wasn't curious enough to pursue, and I needed a little push, and now I know that Alan Adler's invention is a really great option if, um, you know, you're limited on space or, or time or whatever it may be. Um, Alan Adler's AeroPress is, is a lovely way to make coffee, and I'm sorry, Alan, Mr. Doctor, maybe Doctor Adler, for for not giving you your full due previously. Honor, doctor in honorary, my heart, an honorary doctorate in yeah. proving Pierce doctorate wrong. Doctorate in coffee. <laughs> we were going right. to do something else now, huh? Yes. So let's. I I got so excited because I I think. Mm-hmm. I think that now, 287 episodes in, I think I have found the best big idea from pop culture that I've ever done. Um, You know, nothing, arguably nothing, is more pop culture or has been more pop culture in the world in the last year and a half than the coronavirus. So we're going to do a little exercise. I'm going to sort of lightly redact uh, a quotation a thing that somebody said, a prominent figure said about uh, COVID and, and vaccinations, and I want to th- I want to see if either of you uh, knows who said it. And I have a feeling that neither of you do because you're not Twitter people. So so here goes. Everyone has a right to make their own decisions regarding their health and their body. I believe in that completely until your decision as to yourself impacts negatively many others, then the common good takes over. And I'm arm waving here, but that has everything to do with the way that I look at blank or the way I look at our society. We have got to check I at the door and go forward with we. Does anyone want to take a gander or take a guess at, you know, which esteemed public health official said that incredibly reasonable thing about the COVID-19 vaccine. I have a guess. Okay. Uh, go What's your guess, Max? Though, I have, just, I, I, just on the fact that Max has a guess, I think Max is more confident than Pierce, so I want him to go last. I want to put you on the spot, Pierce. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Max? My guess was Tom Brady. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Max is way closer because it was Jerry Jones. Okay, that makes yeah. So just just take in take in that information and realize that Jerry Jones is out here talking about how vaccinations are important and how you have to subsume you you know you have to set aside 
your your own uh, personal well-being sometime for the common good. Uh, and and I think hearing that will clue you in that that things are are very bad right now. Uh, yeah, I sh- I should give credit where credit is due. The, the Dallas Cowboys have a ninety three percent vaccination rate. And they did have a little outbreak uh, in the last day or two, um, but I think like 80 of the 86 players, maybe more, are all vaccinated there. Um, How does that compare to your Atlanta Falcons? They are 100% vaccinated. Woo-hoo. Yes, they are. Good yeah. for them. Well, yeah, so so that that appeared in my Twitter timeline today as a, uh, as a quote tweet from David Roth with the... Uh, with the the accompaniment extremely excited to get a decently precise numerical sense of how many americans are shittier and more self-interested than literally jerry jones <laughs> and it just it made me chuckle and then it made me think for a second and then it made me sad so it's kind of the perfect uh kind of the perfect summation of of what the world is like <laughs> as I we think, record think- today in august 2021 I, I think a lot in a lot of ways, Jerry Jones is a mixture of Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Tom Brady, if you really think about it. So, um, and with with and then Mr. Burns is like the father figure to that. Uh, but anyways, that's enough for oh, us, isn't it? God, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, good. good stuff. Jerry yeah. Jones definitely not biodynamic or natural or organic. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Uh, but he is fueled by scotch. We do know this. We have pretty extensive reporting on the subject. Anyway, I'm not. I am not at all certain that Jerry Jones is a human being and not a Jerry scotch Jones burning taking oven. in the draft on his scotch yacht. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's uh, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com, or subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. If you do that, leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Happy wedding to Kevin and Julia. Thanks for listening.